0: Hi, I'm Bianna. And I'm Darren. And And we're we're Bold Bold Culture. Culture. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably care about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you've probably heard your share of agencies talking about the culture they create internally and for their clients. But the culture you express in your marketing message also needs to match what your employees are experiencing on a day-to-day basis. And we find that's often not the case. Yeah, diverse audiences are the most influential creators and consumers, but their communities are rarely represented as agency talent across the ladder. This is why agencies come to Bold Culture. We help brands and agencies understand and connect to the communities that are building culture. Want to know where to start? Contact us at infoboldculture.co or visit us at boldculture.co.
1: Welcome to Mixed Company. Bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation.
0: We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company.
1: Welcome back, everybody. You've got the whole Mixed Company crew here. Well, 2.5 because Karina's on her way. Two out of three. Two out of three is never bad. Um, But we have a guest for... This show, Um, as you guys know, it's Women's History Month, so it wouldn't be right if we didn't uh, not only pay homage, but make sure that we have some or one of the most amazing, the baddest, the realest, the (laughs) OGs of this entire advertising media marketing game. Uh, Miss Heida Gardner is here to keep it real f- with us for yep. a little bit. Like,
2: I'll try. <laughs> I don't think you're gonna. Yeah. I don't think
1: I have. I have a strong feeling you don't know how else to keep it besides at yeah. least a good hundred point one. Yeah, I was
2: once told that I'm honest to a fault. Mm. So oh, you're you're in good. Just company. once. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to mixed yeah. company. Yeah, That's to good- my face. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. amazing yeah.
1: so what we what we plan to discuss today is more of just a conversation around um, Haida's career because as you guys know last year we had our for women who um, basically aspire to the C-suite as our main topic for the year we had our panel back in March and we had another panel back in September and um, and I think rather than us bringing people to talk about how we are aspiring there, we might as well bring somebody who is literally on top of their game in the C-suite, just like shaking shit up every day, all day, um, early. Shout out to Philadelphia. That was like very nineteen or 1999 to 2006 uh, Ebonics. So I'll start, Hyda, by just asking you, um, how did you get into advertising? Was there an internship open? Was there a rotational program that you got in or did your mom do what my parents did and kick you out the house and tell you you need to go get a job?
2: (laughs) No, I wasn't kicked out, but uh, let me tell you, advertising was not at all on my agenda at all um, when I was uh, graduating from college. As a matter of fact, I majored in political science and economics, and I wanted to be a banker, actually kind of a municipal banker. Mm. And um, I had two kind of options, and one of the banks, uh, one of them was municipal, and the other one was doing deals um, in the entertainment industry, films. Ooh. Okay. And I was recruited for that. Was the one I thought would be very. That fun. sounds sexy. The other <laughs> one was the <laughs> other the other opportunity was something I was passionate about. You know, which is uh, rebuilding cities, and uh, the bank, instead of offering me that role, offered me the chance to go be a loan officer in Harlem, and I said, mm, "No, thank yeah, you." Yeah, no, thank you. And um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that was—I was—I was I was, I, I was, That's that not was what so far giving me. That's from not. what you know, <laughs> from what I was uh, looking for. And so I, um, my dad had died my, the, in, in December, and I graduated in June. Yep. And I went back home, and it was, you know, kind of, what do I do now? So um, one of the things that I, I did then, um, I'd always been a writer, I'd always yeah. been a creative person. And my dad used to jokingly say to me, um, don't be a lawyer, you know, don't be an accountant because you don't like coloring inside the boxes. <laughs> you like make, you know, you want to make up your you own right stuff. So, you are in good company today. So this is not for you um, unless you're going to make new laws, right? Okay. So, um, so I did wind up um, in government for a while, but at the same time, I was uh, doing journalism and mm-hmm. covering all kinds of really interesting things in, um, um, in the D.C. As and, I say, this is in the Baltimore D.C. area. area, area. Yeah, working for uh, you know, black newspapers there, because I had, you know, had friends, and, um, and I wound up working with a theater company that's now gone, called um, uh, the D.C. Black Repertory Theater which has quite a legacy so a lot of the actors and playwrights that you know look right. back on um, came through there and they needed help writing um, marketing collaterals got it all right
1: this is and this that's is
2: how i started so i actually started more as a creative person and then i wound up doing public affairs and and you know repping and um, and uh, uh, at the same time, I was still working um, for in government. And I decided I wanted to get into the marketing side of the business. And I don't know how I did this, but I created a direct mail piece, resume, and sent it to what was then the largest direct mail company in the world. That's a long time ago called Advo System. And long story short, I got a job running <laughs> running print production. I mean, wow. with no background <laughs> at all. You were your background for, you know, and a P&L. Wow. <laughs> for you know, putting out something like 2-3 million pieces a week. I don't know why they hired me, but I did a really Whatever good job you were about to say. And and it was in doing that work that I Wound up, um, you know, being hired by clients, and so and and working with the um, the Congressional Black Caucus, which is always a foundation. good place to be. Um, doing the weekend, which is an enorm- and which is where I met um, one of my mentors and was my first real exposure to. Um, you know, the black corporate elite and being around, you know, members of Congress and, um, and being introduced to the whole um, corporate community partnerships. This is like D.C.
1: nostalgia Mm-mm. right this now. This is D.C. Because nostalgia. I could tell you Like, stories. this
2: is literally,
1: so during my time at Howard, these are the times that everybody was speaking about. So this feels good mm-hmm. right now.
2: So as a matter of fact, I have a picture of myself with the Howard University football team. Oh, that's a nice picture. Um, um on uh, At Homecoming, okay. where I was representing Coca-Cola. Okay. Because we were one of your sponsors. Okay. For, this is for, how, how old I am. I am. This, this, that know, was a long bison. time ago. Yes. Um, go Bison. <laughs> Go basic, you know, and and, um, and I actually um, hung out a lot um, when Melvin Lindsay was still doing Quiet Storm. He was a dear friend of mine. Yep. And Alvin Jones is somebody I grew down up down the street. So, yeah. You know, so anyway, uh, that was from nostalgia. So so what happened was I was a, I met all these people, and I was about my business. Yeah. Right and i wound up so i had learned about direct i had learned about copywriting i had learned about print production i had learned about events you were i had learned about public affairs and my hometown um uh where i grew up in maryland Mm -hmm. um in prince george's Mm -hmm. county Shout out um, to PG. Yeah, and and uh, they the town manager was my like a uncle to me, and he wanted to start a non uh, an organization where at Ruth youth would come in and play basketball
1: hmm. late at night. Hmm. To, it
2: was like an intervention program, mm-hmm. and so I came in, got my brother in law to do the logo, branded it Midnight Basketball League, raised all the money. Um, Got the sponsors, got the NBA and the bullets, and front page of the Washington Post, CBS Morning News. So I was doing PR, just some, just some small, just some light work. And (laughs) and 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 at that point, this is funny. So I decided that, and I did all these events, and I decided that um, I thought I wanted to go into sports marketing. And mind you, I knew all the sports reporters, all the agents. NBA greats and NBA players, and um, a guy from one of the agencies sent me to one of the local uh, uh, sports powerhouses. Mm -hmm. It was a local agency, and I had all of this going and had accomplished what I had accomplished, and he didn't hire me, and he said because I was a girl, and he was worried about me, doing late night events around athletes and i'm like um midnight basketball league you mean which is still exists by the way sports illustrated just did a retrospective a couple years ago but um but but so i was a woman but i couldn't stay out late and so and the idea that i knew all the athletes i knew all the agents I already You're knew you were literally perfect for you, and, and more new than business. perfect for like you could have been a whole and, competitor. And He didn't hire me because I was a girl, but I also looked around, and all the people who were working there in the yeah. firm were these, you know, uh, they looked like they were like lacrosse players or something. Okay, we know the <laughs> You type. know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, we know? are familiar. We are familiar. Okay, <laughs> but it was not, but it was fine, and um, uh, I wound up being hired by Coca-Cola to run youth marketing, um, community affairs, et cetera, um, in the mid-Atlantic area. And um, from there, um, I moved into the Midwest um, and actually managed Isaiah Thomas's contract and the Pistons' contract. Wow. (laughs) Just just say so casually. Just a little bit more. (laughs) And I worked on, and and this is so fun, and so I worked on... um, Um, I wound up becoming um, a lobbyist and and back then you know if you were a black person you did everything okay you you know (laughs) you you so you had to learn everything and so I wound up working um, uh, actually even repping the the soft drink industry but I guess the point that I'm making is is that I yeah. I built it, Yep, you know, I brought me and my creativity. I had what I have to say, and, I'll, and I'm going to tell you, like, so when I was doing the work with, um, with Isaiah, um, my first exposure to a black person in advertising was a woman by the name of Neva Richardson. Mm-hmm. Neva is who people know now as McGee. Oh, Williams Osay, and she mm-hmm. was my group account director at Burrell, and I found gotcha. out that Jimmy Smith was then uh, a creative director. Wow! <laughs> and um, and so, and so that was kind of it. And then I stopped for a while, and and I got married and had kids, and I consulted, and I wound up um, doing. Uh, it's, uh, there's pretty much nothing in the business that I haven't done right? Um, for brands like Colgate and um, uh, Nations Bank, which has became Bank of America right. and Pepsi and et cetera. And um, it was at that point that um, life happened and I moved back to D.C., mm-hmm. right, and I needed a job. Life always happens, and, so, and then you need a job. And so I'm with a friend going to a Congressional Black Caucus Foundation spouse's was Tournament. It was just, so this is this during CBC week. <laughs> this, was, this, was, this was their CBC week, and so that's, that's, where, you go, yeah. that's, that's where you go to find a job. And I go with a, fr- a husband. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I didn't go to find a husband. Please, no. Um, but I did. But I didn't go to find a job. I was just kind of hanging out. And there is someone I had it, worked yeah. with before. Um, there is my mentor, who uh, uh, people who have been around I might remember. Um, she's kind of an icon, Ingrid Mm Saunders-Jones from Mm Coca-Cola. She was one of my mentors and a sponsor. And um, the American Advertising Federation wanted to start a diversity Mm. program. And it was being funded by and led by the black OGs. Right. And Ingrid out of Coca-Cola. And they wanted someone who knew the business. Right. And they felt could stand toe-to-toe with the white CMOs and agency heads. Mm. And um, the first thing they wanted to see happen that they funded was, at the time, AAF's Most Promising Minority Students Program, mm. which the OGs wanted because they were tired of hearing we can't find any. Right. So the whole idea was, here they are. So let's, let's, let's pause. And, and, okay. that, and um, we're not going to part. And oh. in that <laughs> first group, no, we're not gonna, we no, not. now. <laughs> and in that first group, where we had the first event was in Chicago. And Johnson Publishing was a part, yeah. Carolyn Jones came out. Um, it was, it was just a wonderful experience is when I met Tiffany Warren. Uh, Tiffany was in that first group of AAF's most promising and all that is to say, I'm no longer Haida, I'm Auntie Haida. I've been around long enough <laughs> to, I mean, you're, 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 my, you're, you're my auntie. I was
1: like, I'm not even asking permission. Like, that is how we discuss you in the group chat. That is who you are. I'm just glad you know that.
2: <laughs> it's now, hard to face that. No, no. It like, shouldn't wake up be. one day and you're like, oh, shit, I am Auntie Haida. I <laughs> mean. Oh, that's, that's an honor, though. <laughs> that's what saying, that, yeah. is a, that
1: is an honor. Because, you know. And not to digress too much, but you know, your auntie is usually like a little bit more favored than your mama because yeah. you go to your auntie because you know your auntie got it going on. So that's like what this is. But like
0: you're, you're also auntie to like dope people.
1: Yeah, like, you know, you're not not, a bunch not just regular folks. <laughs> you, you are you are very esteemed. You are esteemed auntie. Well, I wanted to pause because I think I feel like there's a couple things here that like are really important to note that you said. The first was that. You took it upon yourself to learn many skills. It wasn't necessary. And it seems like you're speaking about it as if it was just so natural. Like, I, I just do things. I, I just created a DM piece for my resume because I wanted it to stand out. I just learned how to, or I just went into copywriting because they needed a copywriter and I know how to write. But I think sometimes um, a lot of our peers and ourselves sometimes, we don't consider the fact that every time we take a step out of what we think our jobs are or what our day-to-day duties are to do something else, is something that you can use on the back end to say, this is why I'm even more uh, capable of performing these job functions or why you should hire me for this role that you have that you may not necessarily think I'm qualified for on paper. The other thing that you said, which I don't know if if you've felt whatever is in the ether, in in the stratosphere, but I know about 15 millennials that I could name right now, but I won't because I know y'all want to keep it private, that are going through things. Like, life happens. And not to get into it, but just, like, it is okay that things happen sometimes no matter – I mean, (laughs) y'all saw what I was going through for a minute. (laughs) Things happen, (laughs) and you need to kind of, like, just take a step back but you can get back on your feet. Mm-hmm. So even though you've
2: you've gone through things, you've still made it past. I think that's really important to you. Well, hear. I mean, the source of my strength has been um, friends um, and God. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and um, um, the other thing is that I. I'm a learner. I'm just in nor- I'm just innately curious, mm-hmm. and so it, when you hear me in public talking about things, yeah. please know that I know the history. I have read the neuroscience. I yep. have, um, and and I'm not just interested in my lane. And like from the standpoint of yeah. a business, I have to understand yep. how IPG and our agencies are successful I have to understand the business and that is kind of where I have to bring my value but the other thing is that um I think I I think there's another thing and that is I didn't I had a liberal arts education Mm, okay and now people are are it's very common for people to to say you know this is what I want to be and this is therefore I'm going to go and I'm going to study Whatever it is, and I think that makes sense if you want to be, you know. I understand that, but not not um, uh, um, having that as a sort of a restriction around me, I think, kind of opened me up to Mm -hmm. appreciate many, many uh, disciplines um, uh, in learning. So. And I think that there are some basic things that you have, I'm sorry, you have to be able to write well. You have to be able to write well. You have to be able to persuade and to sell. Mm. I don't care what it is. If you don't think what I do is selling, every day, Mm -hmm. you know. um, You have to be able to project to people that, they can take a risk on you. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's Do, do you know what I mean? That it, p- it, and the, thing is, the thing is, you know, you say that when it comes to being a person of color or a woman, um, it, it it absolutely sh- it's 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 the reality is that when you don't fit that very narrow picture mm-hmm. of what. Potential and success looks like unconsciously or innately. Your people are taking a risk on you, and um, there was this study recently that blew my mind. Um, uh, uh, They they tracked down like uh, you know thousands of hiring decisions, and what they found out they wanted to get at. You know, objectivity. Like, what is it? And what they found out was it was that personal click. Yeah. And the most frequent connection was a hobby. So people were making hiring decisions because they connected with someone yeah. over a hobby. I'm glad you said and, that and, out and, loud too. And, and 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 so we wherever we go implicitly, we don't know whether this next person we're going to meet is a person who in the back of their heads doesn't believe in us. Right. And that is part of the weight of being a person of color or a woman or disabled or or, or, or outwardly different. Is, no, everyone isn't like that. But you never know. You don't know. Okay. And that is, and that has created in us like this vigilance. But the point is that companies that have been at this stuff for a long, long time still haven't figured out how to get it right. All right, Right. All companies are failing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So while companies sort through fixing their processes and their systems and all of that it's on you Hmm. it's on us unfortunately and it shouldn't be but it is on us to be to to um, to you know understand some basics around how we can show people we have the potential to do something different because when you hear that men you know or white men are hired on the basis of their potential and, uh, and we are hired on the basis of our performance, it's that, it's that, it's that chicken-egg thing. Well, can you be a creative director if you haven't been a creative director? And I'm always saying, well, show me a white guy that just morphed up out of some pod ready as a creative director or an ECB right. or as you know, someone running a huge piece of business. But um, it is our lot. And I think it, you to know, your point, it is it's that just preparedness. Is our life. Even exactly. going back to like
1: your experience, it's that preparedness. And and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you necessarily considered it as I want to make myself prepared, but it was also not. Sh- it sounds like it wasn't shying away from opportunities, even when you weren't expecting them.
2: Exactly, and even if I hadn't done it before, because my whole experience was doing things yeah. I had done before. And I think there is some core yeah. writing, being able to do a little bit of research and come up with a point of view. Um, I think uh, critical thinking is a critical thinking, critical thinking, and, and I think the other thing is that with, in, in this business environment, things are happening so fast, nobody knows where it's going. None yes. of them now. And we uh, and and every business is is you know things may look like it's orderly. People don't know where it's going. And so if you are a person who is constantly scanning that horizon to s- understand what's happening in the world, And like in our space, what's happening? Even if you are a creative person, what's happening in data and analytics? I'm sorry, you have to, you don't have to be an expert, but you need to be able to have a conversation. Yeah. And I think have a frame of view. And when you go in and you're going to meet with someone and you're going to say, I know that, you know, this is a really important role and I haven't done it. But let me tell you about my experience taking on things i haven't done before. Yeah. Let me tell you about how i go about learning. Let me tell you about how i go, you know, in terms of reaching out in the organization and the team to get to know people and, you know, to figure out how things actually work because i know that what what you're told isn't always. That's the, exactly you know. That's that's the, the the espouse culture, not necessarily the real. Let me tell you how I do. Let me tell you about some of the roadblocks I've had in my life, mm-hmm. personal life, or you know, in in my public service or and um, my other roles and how I handled them. And people don't even know that's what they're looking for. Right. Do you know what I mean? It, I wish that object you know that there were that more uh, leaders were sitting there with a checklist that's really objective I think and they, they knew how to get it that they don't they don't so we kind of let you. it naturally happen I mean, but
0: it's, it's I think to you know being ready um, and also talking making yourself relevant a lot of people of color don't walk don't want to expose and be transparent in these spaces so what was it about um, I guess your personal experiences that you felt would make you relevant to the people that you were interviewing with
2: well, um, see, this is, again, where I, I, you're just so amazing, I, it kind of just happens. No, you know, I, I never, I, after that, after, okay, um, after that, getting in the door at running the graphics and print production, Yep. <laughs> um, we're, by the way, I can do a mean pace up, I mean, y'all don't even know what that is. Anyway. <laughs> that was crazy they were still doing that That a little was bit crazy. when i started okay they don't do that no more okay. <laughs> so 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 um i haven't i have not i haven't applied for a job mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. and that's where i'm talking about everyone you meet and you work with is someone you need is 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 an opportunity. That's gems. And oh. I never, so that was the, so I I left there, I was hired, this is so funny, can y'all imagine, I sold print. Not just any print, but, and I can I can tell y'all about print production. It blows people's <laughs> minds, even though, you know, even though things have changed. So I got fired. I was a terrible print salesperson. Um, I didn't make my numbers and it was and but what I found out was the reason they hired me was because they had they hired me from the company where I was working they mm-hmm. were one of my vendors the owner of this is a big it's a big company it's still there hired me because he thought I could get one of their best customers back who was a black woman I, uh. I, 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 I found that but they were really, really expensive. But guess what? Lukakis was one of my clients. Oh well. Wow. And I went there, and I had other, you know, clients, and so, um, and 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 so the um, opportunity at Coca-Cola—they knew me. Right. So it wasn't like I was, you know, using a one ad or applying. And of course, I had a resume, but I had a story that and a credibility. Right. Um, and then going to AAF when you have the OGs, yep, you know, and, that and Ingrid like Jones yeah. saying, yeah. Oh, they, they couldn't hire anyone that they didn't approve.
1: Right. I, I
2: had to go meet, I met at Howard at the communications department, Tom, it was, it was the 25th anniversary of the communications department. That's how long I still had a little cut. Oh, wow. That's a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and I had to interview with him. Mm-hmm. But
1: you say, Tom, you met Tom. Tom Burrell. Burrell that, yeah, right? I had to interview like, with him. We got to clarify for the young folks, yes. Oh, yeah. Tom Burrell. <laughs> okay, <I'm laughs> Communication. Yeah,
2: Burrell Communication, the OG, who um, he, he's, he's, he's been here, actually. Um, he's doing a lot of really interesting work around stereotyping um, of. Of black people, mm. and it's it's a really critical um, issue for him, and so he's still he's working. He's
1: so tell us a little bit then about your transition. So you've had these great experiences, and you've you've kind of built up um, some set skills for like how to transition through your career. But one of the p- places within our journeys that a lot of us have trouble with is figuring out how to go from your mid-level. So um, if you're a creative, you know, you're an art director, how do you go from art director to creative director? If you're on the account side, how do you go from account director to uh, group account director, exactly. et cetera? How did you go about making those those transitions in your career?
2: Well, see, again – I didn't because Mm -hmm. it's 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 like so when I went that maybe we're thinking about it wrong. So no, well so so when I went to AAF, Mm -hmm. I had to build it. There was no anything. I built it, and so the relationship that I had not with just the OGs, but all of the chief marketing officers and those ad hall of fame people was as leading this right. Well, that's important. There's relationships relationships was. Mm -hmm was leading them, and I'm going to tell you that it was the OGs, and in particular, a chief marketing officer um, by the name of Bob Whaling, who was the CMO of Procter & Gamble back mm, then, okay. who had a lot of passion around this. And Bob is the one that was, like, my sponsor. Mm-hmm. So at the time, and they still might be the, you know, the largest global advertiser, we'd be out at things, and, you know, people were, like, roaches on yeah, food, you I know, can imagine him just, oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> you know, like, all the sycophants. <laughs> she don't do All rookies. the sycophants, <laughs> all the sycophants. <laughs> and even people that I knew, people, like, on the AAF board would be, you know, you yeah. like, high, and they're, like, running over you to get to him, and he, I'll never forget this, he did this thing where as all is going on, he grabbed me by the hand and brought me next to him, and he says, hi, everyone, do you know Haida? He set wow. up meetings. Whew. He gave me money. We wow. want to know um, what, uh, what and, prayers are you saying for your, and for your <laughs> career? Got, <laughs> and, and and so, so, so like I like I was blessed, but yeah. I also found out that before he funded us, He had done due diligence. He's, he, I found out, he was like, she talks a good game. She's impressive. But I don't know if she can deliver. Mm. Who knows her? He called Ingrid Jones. So not only, your reputation is super important. And he called Tom Burrell. Yep. And other people that he knew. And so what happened was I started at a lower level than I would have done anything, but I needed a job. And frankly, I thought I was just gonna go kick ass and then an agency or a marketer were gonna hire me. And so it was like doing, being in transition and being of service, you know, doing something that I really knew and cared about and, What happened was I wound up being asked to consider coming to IPG when one of the people that I worked with became chairman at the time. This is – and and so, again, I didn't apply per se. You know, you go through these kind of formalities, and it was a risk. It was a huge risk because the idea of – doing this took me away from being yeah
0: what you're doing what I was
2: yeah. what I was you know seeing myself as a marketer or seeing my uh, yes, yeah, seeing myself yeah. as a marketer seeing myself as a creator seeing myself as a lobbyist because at the time um, that I came up here uh, I Like if Al Gore had won the election, that's where I was going to work (laughs) for Al Gore. Just watching the night, the CNN 90s documentary. Them damn chads. And I'm sitting there with my son, and I'm I'm like, Oh my God, he's winning, he's winning. And mommy's going, and I'm I'm like, Robbie, Robbie, mommy's going to work in the White House. And you know why? Because of the work that I had done with AAF as a lobbyist, I had built these relationships. And I knew that they were going to, I just, you know, I knew that that was a very serious possibility. And so I went to, you know, I, I went to bed, like, I'm going to the White House and I woke up, like, we oh, wow, it's oh. hey, hey, looking real good. <laughs> <laughs> I got
1: all did. to do. So, okay, <laughs> that so is funny. I have a question, so
0: when you look back, were you, do you feel like you were working toward a goal like you're trying to be in leadership or you were just focused on doing good work and learning because you mentioned that you like to keep learning so like
2: it was both okay it was both i mean because so i mean everything was at a high you're you're playing at a higher level you know so um you know it's one thing to be you know marketing um sponsorships and grants for community-based organization and then you're playing on a higher field where you're marketing you know investment and Diversity, yeah, and you know, trying to fill a ballroom at the wall at the Waldorf and get you know um, hey all bang. these people. It's a different, and and then it's a difference between you know asking for you know ten grand, twenty grand, and sitting in front of the CMO of Procter and Gamble. And this was back then was a huge amount of money. And saying, this is a funny story. So we were gonna ask him for ten thousand dollars. Okay, and I was like, that seems doable. You know what? <laughs> and, I, and I just said to uh, my boss at the time, Wally Snyder, and I was talking to this uh, wonderful gentleman who's passed away, Milt Gossett. Milt was uh, Compton advertising years okay. and years ago and mm-hmm. brilliant writer, yeah. copywriter, the Sachi, lovely man, passionate about this. And he, you know, we were going in together, Tom Burrell and mm-hmm. Milt and Wally and I had to go see Bob Whaling. And the day before, I said, I'm not going to see Bob Whaling to ask him for 10000 <laughs> No, I'm going to ask him for $100,000 a year for three years. And they looked at me. <laughs> and, and that was and I the don't know how day, I would have looked at you that and day. And the next tonight. day, we were in Cincinnati. Okay. And I went in, and I asked him for 100000 a year for three years. And he That's said, what yes. you got. And and then the the joke on the way out was when they said, Haida, I can't believe you said, but it really isn't about the money (laughs) 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 And 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 so it's just you know, it's just degrees of you know, playing. So it's like going from making a presentation to the AAF board to now I'm you know making a presentation to the IPG board right it's it's just different degrees skills, of, yeah. of of level and um, trying to deliver value. So when I came did this, I knew that most likely I would never have another opportunity in marketing because, um, I was already being pigeonholed, sure. You know, and I had a lot to learn because it, being a CDO, you know, you can't it is not like a glorified event planner. Do you know what I'm saying? It's it's a very it, it's right uh, and or at least it st- shouldn't be for so, some people. So so I I had to. Uh, learn a lot um, I had to understand HR stuff that um, you know uh, I'm not an HR person I don't sit in HR here at IPG mm. I don't report into HR here in IPG you know yep. uh, but but of course that's a part of it mm-hmm. um, but then there are other ways to look at DNI as well in terms of how do you deliver um, a, uh, deliver value to the business and to the shareholders. Um, and that's a whole other, you know, that's a whole other thing. So, um, as you, as you add the value, you know, um, including, I've met with our investors, some of our investors, mm-hmm. and um, we've done, a, uh, we've, d- we've done some work that has received recognition um, uh, you know where we've tried new things based on evidence and and research, and have been you know received some recognition um, in some pretty you know r- remarkable spaces. You know the think right. tanks in this space, and um, you yeah. know and I, and and so you know I started it was me, and now. Um, we're at six and and growing, and I have thing, you know I have a, I ha- I have, an, I have a I a, have a a manager who does nothing but data, you know and analytics. I have someone who runs comms and you know BRGs for 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 yeah. us, and then I have, you know, team members who um, you know are more focused on other areas, and um, the brief has uh, expanded. Um, as well, you know, to I think of doing a lot more client-facing work and thinking about the whole thing, you know, very very differently. Right. Um, it's it's not
1: it's not just as pigeonholed. The the yeah. work isn't as no, pigeonholed. No no no. I'm I, I'm very blessed, but yeah. I,
2: but again, I you know, <laughs> I, I I can't believe how this is not to say that I have not had battles uh-huh. here, that I have not experienced very difficult, hurtful times, you know. And there have been, you know, different people in and out of IPG since I've been here. And, um, you know, uh, uh, when you're coming in, as I did, um, it was very interesting because I realized that there were some people who thought I was like just here to do an internship program or something. What? Mm. And and that's kind of what they thought diversity was. And the, you don't hire a me. <laughs> no, you For don't. an internship program. She and did contracts for Isaiah Thomas. You know, it really, it's not. <laughs> it was really kind of like this open. As far as I saw, it was like this open thing. Right. But if you're dealing with people. Have this assumption that DNI is about representation and it's a pipeline and find all the young people and then that will fix everything, or that that's what it means to the business. Right. It's Purely just like filling, you know, putting people in seats, it isn't is is not what it was. And so I can tell you, there were there were some tensions because yeah. I'm just like a gone. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I've had some times that were just, I mean, devastating, you know, mm-hmm. I've had some devastating times. Now, I am blessed because um, Michael mm-hmm. Roth is the, the first night I met him um, was he was coming in as chairman, yeah. And the chairman who hired me, and CEO who hired me, was his last board meeting.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And did this, his name is David Ballestell, a dear friend and mentor to me. David um, invited me to his last board dinner. And he sat me next to uh, the incoming chairman. Uh-huh. Who does that? Helps. that Somebody that happen. wants you mm-hmm. to succeed. And Michael says to me, um, I have a few hot buttons, and education is one. Diversity is, like, beyond. So anything yeah. I can do to help you. Now, he was very, at the time, David was still here as CEO, and, and Michael was a non-executive chairman. And he said, I don't want to step on David's toes or anything, but I want you to know that I'm here. So, uh, that was the beginning of our relationship. And when he became CEO, he'd been in a while and, you know, IPG was, it was a question mark whether we were even going to be here, you mm-hmm. know, the company, the stock mm-hmm. was like $2 a share. Um, I mean, that's yeah, almost off the map, Yeah, you yeah. know? And, um, yet he was, you know, he doubled down and he was there and he's, uh, he's, I I remember one of our first conversations was, okay, Michael, I don't know you. I don't know what you want to know and what you don't want to (laughs) know. I I did. I said this. We don't know each other. It was just the two of us in his office. And so I said, I don't know what you want to know, what you don't want to know, but I want you to know you will always, I will always, you know, be... uh, um, 100% with you mm-hmm. and I will tell you you know sometimes even when yeah you, you you know you're not gonna like what you have to hear what I have to say um, not that he won't like it but he won't be happy by it right you know what I mean happy about it or it will be uncomfortable so um, we'd been at it and he'd been like 2005 um, I met with him and it's like okay you know, where are we? And at that that was when I had my first, second team member who was, and da- I got a data person, mm-hmm. okay? Right. So I started with a data person. Yeah. I didn't want a person who did programs. I wanted a data person. And I went in and I said, this is where we are. And I said, look, HR has taken us as far as they can, mm. all right? The only way that we're going to see anything change is if we start holding the CEOs accountable formally. Right. They're gonna have to tie their bonuses. And he looked at me and he said, Let's do it. It was like that. But the point was it's not going anywhere else. Right. This is it. This is the best you're gonna get. Yeah. And um, it's not to say that we you know we're we're we we are where we wanna be sure. Um, but, I, and, but I can tell you, I mean, so we have invested, as you can imagine, a lot of money. And um, we recently did, uh, a, you know, I had to look at it and, and what, I, what we found was that relative, the best data that we have available, even, you know, trying to say extrapolate because it's a couple years old, the best data that we have available if you look at our size, we're only in the US, IPG is only uh, for agencies of 100 or more, we're only about 12% of the industry, 12, 14% roughly. Uh-huh. But when you look at representation of people of color, and I don't mean just like this glob, <laughs> you know, PUC, but at by, by demographic at various levels to be 12% of the industry, and it looked like we had 25% uh. of the folks in a particular category mm, right. working at IPG. And it appears from the data, again, best you can do, because nobody's like saying, oh, yeah, I want to over count. The best that we can tell is also that the people of color who work at IPG, are are more concentrated, actually, in professional, managerial, and leadership roles uh. than the rest of the industry. So it's the best we can tell, and it's it's the accountability thing, like the board. So they're like, they're saying, okay, this is great, you know, this is great. We're doing a lot of work inside, um, but we all know we're not happy. So, and so, well, how do I? How do I really know, right? Know, right. If this and so I looked at it from my marketing days. Okay, share. <laughs> if we're doing something, right, you know, well, then it should show up in market share. So, so that was the best that I could tell there. And then there are some other, you know, areas. But again, I'm trying to look at it beyond, um, you know, beyond representation. And yeah, uh, so. You know the, but the other thing is, and this relates to what is happening to people, is the other thing that I'm saying, and it's to the co- CDOs. And I, I'm, in general, I was just in a meeting with like 30 CDOs from, mm-hmm. you know, some of the largest global players. And what I said to them is, look, nobody's happy with the representation or the issues of belonging. We know the external environment is you know, real challenge. We know that, um, uh, that white women have done relatively well relative to other groups in the ad industry. It's stellar. It's stellar compared to any other industry, right? Double the representation in its most senior levels in the ad industry mm. versus others. But while, you know, People are sitting around saying we need this research and we need that research, we need to understand and understand that. We've known for a long time what some of the issues are and what's happening to people is happening to them in real time. Right. Real lives, real time, need help now. Now. And um, what I've learned about through a program that we did in December sort of indirectly was that healthcare professionals and mental health care professionals are gravely concerned about people of color in particular black people and um, the American psychological association just did an entire issue on racial trauma and it's not just the trauma of s- you know seeing someone who could be your son right. you know shot by the police it's, it's, it's micro the day-to-day yeah. trauma And they've also identified historical trauma that appears to have actually changed our brains. And then one of the um, uh, women, um, a CDO, um, was talking about the heightened sensitivity of people where you don't ever want to say you're too sensitive, but we know something is wrong because some things that you might not... You feel it. That you but they they are, and the issue tired. is not are people too sensitive, but are we in a crisis? Right. And so and so, you know, to say to people, you have to take care of yourself. And you know, when you wrote about safe spaces, you have to find those safe spaces, and you need to take care of your emotional well being, because. What the 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 what what healthcare practitioners are figuring out is people don't even know what's happening to them, so they might like reach out to EAP or someone about something that's a particular issue mm-hmm. and not understand that they've been traumatized, right? Or that there's uh, something else. And so now they're going to have to train people to ask questions about things they never did yeah and so in the meantime you know as you're looking at companies um (laughs) the idea that that our environments can be like mini trauma (laughs) farms is a really is a really scary important thing and that's That's something that um that that is on our agenda here at IPG, and I'm even sort of lobbying just companies in general right. that they need to demand that their EAP providers are trained, because mm-hmm. I can tell you that they, many of them you are know, not having a clue, and so um, it, you know that's that's a thing saying it's. It is not safe to be a person of color anywhere. Exactly. And I don't think there's full mm. enough appreciation for that. And, um, and you know, uh, I was asked at Cannes, somebody last year w- asked me sort of as, you know, what, do, what, do you, what would you say to the young people coming up is, who are looking good, at this. Cause this is this was about to be who my were question. looking at Great. this. Who were looking at this industry? Yeah. What would you say as a chief diversity officer? I said, you know what? I am a mom uh. of two black sons, and I tell them that you're not going to find you know a perfect place. You know where mm-hmm. that y- th- it does not it does not exist. Right, there are going to be challenges everywhere. Um, that is, you know, inherent in being you. You know, in yeah. this country and actually in in the world right now. So what you have to do is know what you want to do and choose wisely. Mm-hmm. And so think we need more accountability when um, first of all it should be a seller's market for people of color here oh right yeah. right yes. and 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 I think that it's important to find out you know, where an organization is and what they're doing not beyond uh sponsorships and and recruitment mm-hmm. um and and that means what are they doing to provide yeah uh resources and access once you're there what are they yes, doing because that's a part of their retention around retention what yeah. are they do- you know what are they what are they doing to yeah. make sure that um, people are uh, actually brought into the organization in the right way, where exactly. they can be successful. And that's, by the way, something, a skill you have to understand, what you have to do on your own behalf um, <laughs> when you go into exactly. a, an organization. Um, and and uh, because if all they can tell you is they do MAPE, <laughs> you know, and 3% and add color and, and on and I love them, okay? They're yeah. important, and they can't say anything else. You know, it's to me like I said. If the emperor has no clothes, hide your eyes and keep walking. You know, <laughs> wait, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I said. <laughs> okay. And I think you, you, you know, you really have to be, you know, very, very careful. And yeah. I think that in having conversations, um, when you making when you're making a decision, um, I think pay attention to how you're treated. If you're going through recruiters and they're rude, uh, and they don't return your calls, uh-huh. or they or or the hiring manager and all that, I'm not saying that that they're rude because you're you, but imagine if they're just rude to everybody. Right. That's how culture, is that a right? part of the culture yeah. if yeah. You're the culture. you, you want to be? No, there, I mean, <laughs> <but> <laughs> if it, if it, if it, if if you're if it's you. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. So if they if you don't get that. Sort of respect and consideration on the front end. What do you think? You got what, do you think to, what do you think it's going to? What does that tell you? You know about yeah. the culture.
0: What would you say to, to So you, you talked about the people who are coming in. What would you say to the people who are in it, like right now, who are in this mid level purgatory, if you will? Because um, when I talk to a lot of people of color and women, and I realize lately it's not even just people of color. It's just the discontent is just across the board with everyone. What would you say to those people now who are aiming toward higher senior roles in leadership?
2: Well, okay. So here is what I have seen as a kind of a catch-22 because depending on where you are, and I'm not just talking about our industry, I'm just talking in general. Um, If you have managers who themselves – have never had the benefit of having, you know, career development conversations. Right. Or, um Or you're in, you know, a, a contracting, difficult business environment, and people are afraid to talk opportunity and expanded role if they can't pay you. So they may even avoid having these conversations I think you um but I've also found that when um that that if if you're in a an environment where you know it isn't common for people to have these kind of conversations with managers or leaders or whomever and and when you're doing all the right things proactively it isn't necessarily received that way. Mm-hmm you know as a positive go get them thing right. it's perceived like you're this high maintenance person who's overly yep. aggressive and you know yep. they don't know so so yep. it's a, it's a, there. it's a really it's a really really tough thing so what i suggest is is one do do sit down and first of all think about yourself and where you think you are. Yeah. Um, I like these f- six buckets. Um, roughly, uh, it's called ACE, which is a is kind of this general framework. ACE, meaning ability, which is like your skills and what you're able to deliver, um, including your ability to learn new stuff, mm-hmm. um, your ambition you know are you articulating your ambition not saying i want to be promoted but i want to do more or i have this idea i can add value here you know are you um so i've been sponsored right but one of the reasons is because i've been able to do things to help my sponsor you know what I mean to, and it's hard to find those stretch growth opportunities. Right. Um, the next one is your confidence, being able to, you know, show confidence, um, commitment, mm. which is to get the job done. It doesn't mean twenty four seven, but your commitment to and your perseverance and your persistence. Are you a person who gives up? You know what? You know what do you do to right. figure it out when you don't have help? How far do you go? And then executive presidents, which mm. is, again, being able to sell and being able to persuade and to hold attention, do whatever you have to to get that kind of experience, whether there's Toastmasters hanging out at lunch. You know, if you can't hold a room of people whose unconscious biases automatically tune you out. Right. Do you know what Because there is a filter. There, there definitely really is a filter. You really have to you know this is what i tell my kids this is it yeah uh, it shouldn't be we're working to change it but this is the deal this is it and and then the last one is emotional intelligence which is being able to kind of read other people yeah and those you know those ace buckets um, and you also, I think, want to find out from other people how they see you. Yeah, your perception. In in there, mm-hmm. and those are like real, real um, core things. Any company, any industry, the the you know the bullets that r- fall underneath those categories might differ depending what type of, you know, specialty yep. you might have. But you know. Um, you you have to do that and I think it is also important to try to the best you can show some sort of thought leadership something that makes you singular something you know or did that nobody else did whether it's a thought piece whether it's um, you know I think you have to kind of be creative and wherever you have the opportunity to you know do networking um to do that but yeah. not with the gimme 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 or oh. will you be my mentor no. no 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 what do no, you bring no. to the
1: table no
2: it is you know definitely i love lunches get togethers and everybody looks and says okay what do you need and everybody you know you leave with what can i do for you yeah. yeah you know what can i do to help you that's super valuable so um so i wish there was a you know a silver bullet but it's not just our oh. industry; it's just that our industry is a little tougher because it's smaller, it's less resourced. They hate anything that's structure, <laughs> right yeah. now. It's like the people go to advertising Ooh. because it's the unprofession. Yeah, yep. this right? is a fact. It's the unprofession, and and part of okay. you know what what makes us special is there's a yin and a yang. This yeah. is true. Yeah, well, Auntie Haida. Yes. You have, <laughs> hey, auntie. <laughs> you have you have got
1: given us gems. You have given us quotables and notables, um, but some people probably don't know that they can find these things on the social medias because you are. <laughs> On you Twitter. are everywhere. <laughs> How can people, where do people find you on the social media? How can they follow um, you? My
2: handle is Haida, H-E-I-D-E underscore Gardner. And I'm pretty much only on Twitter right now. I just don't have time, but I will be doing <laughs> some more, uh, I think more in-depth writing. Um, I think that one of the problems is we like snacks, and this is some mm. complicated stuff, and mm. you just can't snack your way into you you know, a, a healthy but you get some good space. healthy snacks. You give, you yeah, <laughs> healthy snacks. I try. <laughs> you, do. Um, you do. And uh, so, mostly, I'm on Twitter and I have Instagram page. It hasn't been touched in okay. like Well, we're a not year. gonna worry about that. So, <laughs> so, um, but, okay. but, um, I'm looking for ways to be more accessible. I guess as Auntie Haida, because, like I said, looking in Facebook, it, it, there are times when it breaks my heart. To have Reads someone say, "Has you know this or that ever happened to you?" And you'll see someone say, "Oh yeah, I've had those kind of microaggressions happen to me." All the time. And then the first, you know, the first person says, "It has a name," mm. and it just breaks wow. your heart.
1: We gotta, we will we'll talk about some some fishbowl things, but I definitely want to say thank you so much for, you. for sharing your time with us. We know you got. Tons of more important things to handle in this world. So, um, at, at, at this, at the anti
2: hiatus stage of life, there's nothing more important than this. <laughs> well, honestly <we> appreciate, <laughs> it. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for Thank listening. Um, we will be back. I think.